Hey, good morning. This is Andy, one of the leaders at Water's Edge Church. And today we are meeting on the beach. We're meeting on the beach. It's our two-year anniversary. And we began at the Water's Edge. And ever so often we like to be and meet again at the Water's Edge. Uh, Water's Edge, our church, we exist to love God and others in Christ. To love God and others. Another way to say that is to love God and those whom God loves. Our goal when we gather together is to help everyone take a next step with Jesus. And my plan this morning, this is me recording before we go out there, is that we will do some exercises, uh, some simple, lightweight exercises, a little bit of movement, if you will. And uh, there'll be about nine different exercises, uh, one to represent each season that we've met as a church, and then the last one to inaugurate the summer together. It is June 4th, we are meeting on the beach, and though it is June gloom, it is still awesome to be right near the water's edge. And our last uh, exercise, if you are a workout junkie or workout here and there, we're going to be doing uh, side and front raises, shoulder raises, to be clear, if that's the language you want to use, shoulder raises. So that's where you bring up your shoulders from your side, or rather bring up your hands from your side and bring them about 90 degrees from your chest and then bring them up to your front. And we're just going to do them without weights today, but we'll probably be doing sets of 10. 10 on the side, 10 in the front, shoulder raises side, shoulder raises front. And uh, those muscles are highly important. Being able to lift your hand up is highly important. And the question is, why is that? Why is that important? I'm saying it's highly, vitally important as a follower of Jesus. Well, one, we, we do like to raise our hand in a posture of surrender when we sing. There are those of us who will raise their hands high, which is beautiful. Uh, but there's also another reason why we want to do those shoulder raises. And uh, I'll let the scripture explain it. We are reading James 5, 13 to 16 on the beach day. And just to be clear, yeah, we have a reading of scripture, but this isn't a sermon, at least a typical sermon per se. It's more of uh, some reflections, a homily, if you will, and, and more importantly, practice. And I end this uh, on the beach today, but I think it's worth noting now, maybe I'll word, note it early on as well, is, is it better to preach an excellent sermon on prayer or is it better to pray? Is it better to preach a 10 out of 10 on prayer or is it better to have imperfect people imperfectly praying for one another? I think we know the answer. James uh, chapter 5 verses 13 to 16 and if you've been with us you know there's a lot of context in James that I'm going to feel free just to not ignore but allow our previous messages to give, uh, give us what we need. I'm going to jump right in. James says it this way. Verse 13 in chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, I'm repeating verse 16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So any thoughts on those side raises? It's about praying for each other, about putting our hands properly and safely on one another and praying for another, praying for healing, to raise our hands in prayer or to put our hands on people's shoulders and pray for them. I believe that's God's invitation for us as a church, that we are a church that certainly loves one another and we, and we listen so well. I think incorporating prayer for one another is God's next invitation and challenge. And we may do it here and there, no doubt, but it remains a collective calling for our church. So why aren't we already doing it? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that there are a lot of barriers to prayer. I think first and foremost, it's vulnerable, it's risky. I wanna validate that, it's, it's, it's vulnerable. What do I say to that? I think what I say is this, that vulnerability is how relationships thrive. So we'll say more, but we need to bring all of us and, and all that we're going through, honest, maybe not open about every single thing, but honest about what's going on and pray for each other with the God who loves us and wants to bring life and healing to all parts of us. Now that has a, there may be obviously prayers that are better with certain people, i.e. if I'm a man and I'm praying for different areas of my life, uh, I'll pray with men versus praying with everyone else or praying with people who I know and have walked with me in different areas. But I think the barrier is that we typically do not bring areas of our life that are in darkness that need to be brought to the light, whether that's sin, distorted thoughts, and even areas of healing. Uh, another uh, barrier, unanswered prayers. And that is a huge one. Uh, I know there's been a lot of hurt with people promising answers, and we're going to give a little bit of a tutorial on that later. But we also want to trust, and let me say it this way, and we also want to trust that God can heal. He has healed. He's healed throughout history. And that God is continuing to do a good work in the midst of the perseverance of our prayers. That God is continuing to do a good work in the midst of the perseverance of our prayers. Perseverance is a huge theme we have seen in the book of, of James. The book of James. And I have I have one. I don't think it's a side tangent, but one note I want to make is too many times, and I, I understand the sentiment, too many times we end healing prayers with what many believe is a necessary caveat. We pray for healing. We pray against sickness. We pray for um, God to bring justice to certain tragedies, um, and we pray against uh, continuing uh, perpetuation of said injustice. And then we are tempted to pray, but God, your will be done. So we pray for healing, pray against um, whatever principalities may be bringing sickness. And then we say, 
but in the end, God, your will be done. Now, is there something theologically wrong with this? Not really, no. Spiritually, maybe. When we end a healing prayer with, but God, your will be done, it can communicate that we we're preparing ourselves for healing not to happen. It can rob us of expectancy. It can also confuse what God's will is, which is to see people flourish. Um, it is. Um, now, I know there's a lot of questions of unanswered prayer, and I think the short answer is I don't know the answer. Um, but that's just my sense of it. Um, I think the biggest or maybe the primary reason I'm a bit resistant to praying, uh, not praying, but God, your will be done at the end of a prayer is um, it can cease. It can tend to stop the perseverance needed in prayer. Tend to stop the perseverance needed in prayer. I.e., I pray once, I ask God for the person's desiring needing, I end the prayer with a necessary caveat of God, but God, your will be done, and then, and then I stop praying. And that's not the call. It's such a huge faith, step of faith uh, for people to ask us for prayer. We want to honor that. So uh, prayer is actually an exercise of perseverance. Jesus tells parables about this. John Wimber, a great pioneer of the modern healing prayer, talked about praying for someone like a thousand times until he saw any movement. Conversely, I, I want to note that I prayed for someone for years who had a debilitating sickness and they eventually died from that sickness. And every time I prayed, I had a pop-up uh, on my weekly calendar. I trusted God to heal each time. I had a pop-up. I showed up two times, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I reached out to this person. And when God prayed, uh, or when the God brought that person in my heart, rather, I would pray for that person. And here's the deal. I know that even in the midst of it, I had amazing conversations with this person. And I still trust God with the outcome as tragic and horrible as it ended up. So I want to ask for prayer. They're, they're asking you to commit to praying. They're asking you to commit to praying. So how do you make that commitment? If you are highly calendared, you may be a J on the Myers-Briggs, which I know that's not a one-for-one -one correlation, but you can calendar, put it in your calendar. Um, put it on a, write it in lipstick on your, maybe not lipstick, but a dry erase marker on your bathroom mirror. Um, we can also commit to praying for someone as God calls them to our heart. So I'm thinking about my friend, God brings in my heart, oh, that friend asked me for prayer. This is an opportunity to lift up a prayer in the name of Jesus for my friend. So yeah. I'm personally not a huge fan of, but God, your will be done. If we need a closer, which again, the perseverant never really finish, and we'll talk about that later, we, we can simply say what Jesus said on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit this person or that person. As I continue to pray for them, as you call them to my heart. So there's a lot there. Unanswered prayer. Uh, there's sermons. There's years where you could talk about that. A lot of pain. Also a lot of perseverance needed.
last barrier is really the how. Um, we don't really know how and many times cannot feel comfortable doing it. With that, I hear you. And I, I don't want to prescribe any formulas to prayer. But today on the beach, I'm really looking forward to getting us into groups where our leadership team, who I trust and love, are going to do a brief tutorial of, of how, of how to pray for one another. And it's really simple. I think what they're doing is they're going to kind of give a little bit more insight that will inform the how. But again, just entering in is a really good thing. Um, but before we get to the how, what I want to what I want to really talk about is somewhat of the why. Just from this passage, I want to ex exegete or exposit this passage real briefly. Why do we pray for healing for one another? Why do you and I pray for healing for one another? So, the first sub-point or point is that whatever pain that you alone are carrying or trouble that you alone are shouldering, sin that you alone are hiding and or shame that you alone are harboring. The hiddenness of our pain and or sin exacerbates our wounds. That any hiddenness of our pain, tragedy, loss, suffering, sin, uh, any of these realities, any hiddenness of those, it actually exacerbates our wounds it further hurts us. And when we are hidden or hiding areas of our lives, we're not complete and, and we lose one another. And we don't want that. We make, together, we make ourselves more whole. And if we hide ourselves, we can't be whole. Or I think another way to say is we hide areas of our lives I can't be whole, and then the collective therefore cannot be whole. Secondly, for our wounds to be healed, they need to be revealed. <laughs> That's kind of a no duh. It may be just a you know extension of the first point, but it needs to be stated nonetheless. God has given us the gift of one another to both confess and pray for healing, and the very act of confession. And prayer brings darkness into light. I'm experiencing symptoms into entering recovery. Somewhat of a medical terminology, but makes sense. And the process of honesty and vulnerability to healing has already begun. And I believe God honors the process of asking for and praying for one another. And that leads to the third point. First point again is the hiddenness of our pain and our sin. It exacerbates our wounds, perpetuates it. Second one is for our wounds to be healed, they need to be revealed. And the third one is to, to, to both confess and give, receive prayer is a courageous act of faith, which is trust that God uses to bring healing. The process of prayer, especially healing prayer, is an exercise of faith that places us in the battlefield that is spiritual warfare. And when we pray, we're utilizing kingdom authority that comes with God's our God-given identity. And when we enter in the fray for the sake of the kingdom, I believe the king honors our efforts. He honors our efforts. And with that, I know a lot of questions come up, and so I want to turn it over. 
and we're going to move into small groups. Uh, we're going to give a little tutorial on healing prayer. So that's, again, the why of prayer. Um, but I'll, I'll just share, obviously, because you're listening and you're not in a small group. Maybe you're with somebody in your car, but or walking or what have you. But I just want to name, you know, an expansion of of prayer and healing prayer. We talked about why, but how do we pray? Um, again, we have several perceptions, hesitations, or even heartache when it comes to healing prayer. Um, and this list is, is, is not comprehensive by any means, but hopefully it creates both an awareness, desire, and a capacity to pray for one another. So how do we pray? The first thing we said is, why do we pray? Now we're saying, how do we pray? And I'm just going to go through this list. Uh, how do we pray? We pray knowing we're loved. <laughs> we know we are unconditionally loved and that nothing, whether it's sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. It's worthy to note that physical bodily healing is just one aspect of healing prayer. There, there's deliverance and healing needed also in our mindsets, relationships, generational sins, injustice, tragedies, personal and collective defiance of God. The list goes on. How do we pray? We pray trusting that God's restorative kingdom is already breaking into our world. Our prayers are an opportunity to pray for God's continued kingdom to come, which is the will of God. And by the way, there's scriptural references in all of this. Maybe I'll, I'll put a copy of this PDF um, that I gave everybody today on this uh, message. The truth is God has and will overcome, and we know this even from the faithful act of the one asking for prayer. How do we pray? We pray beginning and ending in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, because it is Christ's spirit, and therefore subsequent authority and power he gives to his disciples. Uh, we pray confident that we're exercising the authority of Jesus that comes from being in Christ. Confidence produces expectancy. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And as Jesus goes to the Father, he gives the gift of the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. So even as we pray, you know, we pray asking, do you sense any changes? We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray against whatever may be hurting someone or someone's. We pray for whatever healing they're needing, and we discern that as we listen. And then we close in the name of Jesus. And after we close, we can ask that person, or even in the midst of the prayer, we can say, hey, have you sensed, or do you sense any changes, anything going on in your heart, your mind, your body, your soul? We pray confident that we're exercising the authority of Jesus. How do we pray? We pray aware of the true enemy, that this world is not as it should be. And in prayer, we're entering into spiritual warfare. Truth is, this is Jesus' fight, not ours. And the war is not against other people, but dark spiritual forces. Christ has already won. So we have to be aware of the true enemy. It's dark spiritual forces, uh, demons, the, the enemy of God. How do we pray? We pray soberly, as in war, some battles are lost. Though we have victory in Christ, we will have troubles. There are fallen heroes. 
they are fallen heroes. That said, we do not let these realities obstruct our prayer because we pray also with perseverance and without ceasing. Until healing occurs, Jesus returns, or the person or persons is now with Jesus. Last point of how do we pray? We pray surrendered because really any healing today is still only partial and temporary. That when we look at Jesus' life, he healed a lot of people, but those people still later perished. The risen Lazarus or that young gal, Talutakum, they later passed away. In faith, we all await the completion or theological term is consummation of God's kingdom. We wait for the final ultimate victory that has already been won in Christ. So this is the portion where um, I'm going to ask the leaders to split people up and just listen to whatever healing is needed and discern how God would, would lead them to pray and then pray for each person. And they can lay hands on them appropriately, obviously, or not. And let's pray for them. We pray for, we pray against. Obviously, we bookend it in the name of Jesus Christ. Because it is Christ, Holy Spirit, that is really doing the good work. Carrying that good work to completion. And then we ask the person, hey, did you sense any changes? Because we're operating the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus produces confidence confidence produces expectancy and if not we pray again and we can keep praying i mean there are movements that pray through the night our call is just to begin praying for one another in ways that are really more than we have been doing so that's the hope is that you would pray for one another in the name of jesus because any <laughs> space where we're practically praying for another is always better than an excellent sermon on prayer. So with that, Lord, I do pray for healing in the name of Jesus, Lord. I do pray for deliverance, that you who began a good work would carry it to completion, but you would heal now, Holy Spirit, that Lord Jesus, you, you have done it and you can do it. Would you do it? Please do it. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you do it now. Teach us what it means to be bold and at the same time humble, to be, to stand, as it says in Ephesians, and also to be surrendered to your work. But again, to stand in confidence, Lord, that you, God, want to continue to heal today and that there are many among us who are hurting and sick. God, give us the strength and confidence to, to reveal what is weighing us down so that you, Holy Spirit, can bring darkness into light. You, risen Lord, who went to the cross, died, who carried the ultimate unanswered prayer on your back so that your deepest prayers would be answered, Lord, that we would come to know you and therefore come to show you, Jesus. We pray this, God, in your name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, if I see you on the beach, great. If not, Hopefully this could be a resource to you. Water's Eds meets at 10 a.m. in a small little chapel on 831 3rd Street normally, though this summer we'll be meeting on the beach, I believe, on July 2nd. We meet July, uh, today, June 4th, July 2nd. We'll be meeting, I believe, the first Sunday in August, and then I believe we're going to have a prayer and worship night, potentially, on uh, September 3rd. 
So stay tuned and obviously join us in the chapel. We'll see you next week, which will be June 11th, 10 a.m., 831 3rd Street. Until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Talk to you later.